Action Park Media. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glut. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. Today on American Glutton, I'm excited to have my friend Greg Grunberg. Greg is a film and television actor with a list of credits that goes on for a day and a half, so I'm not going to try to do it justice here. He is a wonderful guy. Greg recently underwent his own transformation, and we will discuss. Enjoy. Greg Grunberg, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. Thank you, American Glutton. I appreciate it. Where's my swag? I'm only here for the amazing t-shirts, the amazing sweatshirts. Dude. It's in the mail. No, it's not in the mail. I'm going to hold you to it. Yeah. I mean, seriously, the podcast is great. You are amazing. I've loved you. We'll talk about, obviously... We have a mutual admiration society for each other. Yes. But, man, do you have good merch. It's good, right? No, it's not good. It's really good. Thank you. Who came up with the name? My, um, the, the name is tricky because uh, I wanted to call it the anorexic glutton. And, and my wife was like, you can't do that. Because you don't have anorexia. And I was like, I know, but like I diet and I starve myself sometimes. And she's like, yeah, no, you can't. That's really offensive. Yeah, not good. You can't do that. And I was right. like, well, what the fuck? What do I do? And, she, and, I, and I was like, I like the A and the G looks like an anarchy sign. Oh, yeah. I like that. I want it to be AG. I like glutton. I am a glutton. I can fucking claim that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's like hiring. You can't. You can't have a character on a TV show or a film that isn't that if that character is anorexic, that actor better be anorexic. Right. You can't hire somebody and say, God forbid you just pretend you're anorexic. <laughs> yeah. No way. So you can't have that. Name. I couldn't. Yeah. I'm so the you're American. Of you are American. I am. And you're a glutton. I tick the boxes. Fuck. Yeah. Come on. I'm not getting canceled for that name. <laughs> no, Although I will say, I think it unfortunately, um, scares away some of the people some of the gals and i really want to talk to them and and i'm not not in any way that i would like attack them or contradict them even just to hear about um the healthy at every size movement i can't find anybody who's really deep into that who Mm -hmm. will sit down and talk to me because of the word glutton i think really you've reached out and And they have said no, comfortable in their own skin. Lizzo, someone like I've that. I've begged Lizzo, but I don't expect Lizzo because Lizzo is fucking super superstar. So it doesn't have to be Lizzo, but just even like rank and file gals yeah. who are like, you know, even if you want to say like I'm uh, promoting diet culture, which I don't think I am, but but like, you know. If you want to come and tell me I'm bad, I'm even open to that. Like, I, I would love to hear it, and the name scares them away, I think. Wow. Yeah, I don't uh, 
if, if the the biggest thing that I take away from this podcast and from you is just inspiration. Like uh-huh. you have to, I, I'm, I, I'm proud. I'm, I'm down 53 pounds. Yeah. You look incredible. Well, I'm getting there. You look incredible, thank but you. I, I you feel look incredible. Thank you. I feel good. I really do feel good. I, I just yesterday I grabbed two twenty fives and I walked around the yard and I could not. Have you ever done that? Yeah. I mean, you 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 lift a lot, but I mean, wa- literally just walking around the yard for a while. Got on. I, I bought myself a new bike because I like to bike, and uh, I bought myself a new bike and it's lighter and it's kind of uh, represents like wh- what I have done over the last you know three months or whatever. And I'm I, I'm like faster. I'm quicker. I'm more nimble. I can't, and I really this time. I know I say it all the time, but it's a it's a choice. It's a lifestyle choice. And you, to be quite honest, are a really you really are an inspiration. Where you just say, "Okay, I'm going to be as obsessive about this that I have been about other things in my life." I love old cars, right? There's so much of my mind, so much of of uh, of the time I spend thinking about. Okay, I've got you know this Tacoma, Toyota Tacoma. I got it in the shop right now. It's the transmission. I'm thinking about what it needs always, and I always know. So I'm on top of it. I'm aware. I'm conscious of it. Why can't I be the same way about what I eat, what I do? You know, and yeah. and I'm not working out um, like I want to yet because I'm still on such a low caloric intake. You know, because I'm still trying to lose, but still, it's just like. And I'm not again. It doesn't. It doesn't consume me. Yeah. But it's just like okay, and I feel good about it. Yeah. You know. And the beautiful thing I think about like with your cars, ten years from now, you'll still ha- you'll still retain that will still be inside of you. And so whatever kind of um, structure we build for ourselves around diet and exercise and health and and educating ourselves on what food is and how we can use it. That's something that, you know, cause I think sometimes the idea is like, God, it's overwhelming. I just want to do a simple trade. I just want to do like, okay, I'm just going to cut out, um, whatever it is, bread and that'll be it. And, and like, maybe you're not going to get to your goal and have it sustainable, just cutting out bread. Right. Maybe, I don't know, maybe somebody did, but but like all every piece of knowledge that you add and then you put into use, you're going to have that. So like this idea of how complicated it can be and how much time and, and energy, like imagine the amount of knowledge you have about cars today versus the first time you ever thought about it. Where yeah. you're, you, like I know nothing, but I'm interested in cars. Let me get let me look into this and cut to today. You're thinking about minutia in a totally different way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, that might be one of the things that scares people away from coming and sitting down with you. I've known you for a long time. We're yeah. friends. That's different. I know whatever. We'll talk about whatever. But you really have educated yourself in, in, a, in a compl- at a completely different level. So there are, there are moments where I'm, educate, I'm getting educated listening to you, and I'm like, I can't be part of that conversation. <laughs> like, I just don't know. I don't know enough about nutrition. I don't know enough about the things. But I'm pulling from it. So there is a learning curve. There is a, there, you know, there's an intimidated uh, intimidation factor to cars. Yeah. I don't know how to work on cars, but I know enough over the years. I've paid for enough. I work with my, you know, I have a mechanic that's just the sweetest, and I come in and I work with him or whatever. And over the years, I've, I've developed the knowledge. The same is true with diet. Yeah. You just have to, just baby steps, man. If you, the first thing I did um, a couple of months ago was I just said, all right, I can't eat in my car anymore. Right. That's it. That's a f- by the way, for I mean, 
especially Los Angeles, where we're so car centric, where life basically doesn't exist outside of some kind of uh, vehicle transportation, whether it's the bus or the car or something like hard to exist in California or Los Angeles without that. To excise that from your life is a big fucking deal. That was a huge one for me, too. Yeah, and I found a joke in it because I said, someone was like, oh, are you, are you on a low-carb thing? And I was like, no, a no-carb thing? And I went, I heard a no-car thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and like, and I, yes! Yes, I am! Right. If they sell it, if you can buy it while not getting out of your car, without getting out of your car, if you could buy food, that's not the food for you. You know, they say the supermarket don't, you know, you have stay to on the, uh, outside, right. stay on the outside because the stuff in the inside, there's no electricity plugged into the inside of a store. So they not keeping things fresh and cold. The freezer. Yeah. But most of that stuff, right, is processed and yeah. terrible. So all the fresh stuff is basically on the outside. Same thing. It's true. If you can buy it, I don't care how healthy it is, dude. If, if you're able to stay in your car and eat that food, it's not good for you. Right. And yeah. it's and it's addictive and it's too convenient, you know. I had the exact. I, I I literally did the same I, same thing. Like I, I'm I'm all about breaking down, like looking for places in my life that were tripping me up and allowing me to not stick to whatever plan I was on. And the car was a big one. And then I found myself like eating in my car after the gym, and I was like, oh fuck, I'm breaking this rule. And, and I went like, it's okay. I made this food. Right. I was going to say. I know exactly what's in it. I'm not going to get too down on myself about this. this right. the, the, the idea remains like, yeah, I'm not pulling up to anywhere and having somebody hand me food. That's right. done. Right. Right. Exactly. And, and also, I mean, there's just, I don't care how healthy these places are. Um, you know, Kevin Smith is a buddy of mine. Right. And, you know, Kevin, I'm sure. Have yeah. you had Kevin on the show? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's I mean, an animal. Oh, he's an animal. And his... His story of his heart attack, yeah. talk about inspiring. I mean, that's crazy, right? But he talks about you know going vegan or vegetarian or whatever he is. Some of those places, they're not healthy, man. Yeah. I'm sorry. I go to the – like, I haven't but since I did this. But, you know, the veggie grill or the – is it called the veggie grill? Veggie grill, yeah. yeah veggie grill. It's fucking McDonald's for vegans. Right. Yeah. How is that healthy? I have a whole thing with veganism where, like, you say veganism to me and I go – that's gotta be healthy because you're fucking just eating plants, right? And then, like anything, like keto's gotta be healthy, except you can make keto bagels out of pork rinds and, and you know, lard or something like this. Right. And you go, like, that's not the intention, you know? Of course, you know, if a vegan wants to eat a double cheeseburger that's all plants, they're going to figure it out. It's going to taste delicious. Yeah. And with tater tots and like some aioli that's all still got no animal shit in it. And it's like, that's not healthy. No. I mean, a time is probably is fine to have it occasionally is fine. But if you're if you it like, yeah, Kevin was like, yeah, I went vegan. And then I was just eating vegan ice cream all day. French and like, fries. Wait, yeah. What are you doing? You can't. It's not. Pizza. Right. What's your goal? Is it just a moral thing where like it doesn't matter how it physically affects me as long as I'm not eating anything that touched animals? OK, by the way. I read something really traumatizing recently that PETA is okay with humans consuming humans human milk. I, they didn't go so far as saying cannibalism, but it was like a black market breast milk, and they were making cheese out of it <laughs> for serving <laughs> oh milk. And PETA was like, God. "Yeah, this is fine. Oh my, this is God. fine." 
That's crazy. Yeah. That is I look, I did something the other day and I had to take it down. Um I love love grilled octopus. Like love it. It's, fantastic. it's so good. Yeah. And I was intimidated by it. It was the, this restaurant in Malibu where um Taverna Tony's. Have you ever been there? Oh, it's like it's Greek. And of course, Greek, you know, it's seafood and they're on the coast or whatever. So this restaurant, they serve it as an appetizer. And it's something that my boys and I, we love it. So I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to be intimidated by this. Let's try it. So you, you look up a YouTube video and they're all the same. And boil it for an hour. I mean, you have to cut the head off and all that stuff. Boil it for an hour, water and uh, red wine vinegar. It, it softens it. Then you grill it. And I spray a little, you know, uh, olive oil on it just a little bit. But it burns off on the th- I'm really kind of aware of all that. Yeah. But it's so delicious. Meanwhile, this movie is out. About My octopus the, the, teacher, the cute, friendly octopus. Yeah, brilliant. Like right. that—that strokes the guy's face, and yeah. it's like, wow. They become really, friends. They become friends, and you—that's where. You, and I'm not guilt. I don't feel guilt with this stuff. But I also buy uh, Bow Creek Farms is this farm that I've in, in Pennsylvania, and I get their organic meat from there. And they send you a postcard with your shipment saying. This is the cattle, right. and it's got a name. Yeah, it's like so. My son said to me, "He's like, is that the is that the barometer? Like, don't eat something that has a name." Yeah, I, I the first time I went to Japan, I sat down at a fancy steakhouse, and with the steak, they brought a picture of the cow and the four men who were like. Uh, stationed with the cow like this one cow had four dudes taking care of it and they would massage it and feed it and like the cow was in heaven and i remember looking at this picture like i don't really want to eat this now you know exactly i had another cow is in heaven right literally in heaven the cow couldn't have been happier and here is the final product is this delicious steak i was eating there was a restaurant in um madrid oldest continually operating ovens i think the ownership of the restaurant has traded a number of times because it's like the ovens are like 700 years old or something like that yeah and they serve uh roast suckling pig and roast suckling lamb kind of those are the two specialties fantastic i happened to go there while my wife was pregnant with our now 16 year old daughter and i'm sitting there eating and i've basically been served two two babies Right. On plates. <laughs> the lamb, at least they cut the head off. The pig still's got its head. But these are tiny, little, nearly fetal animals oh. that are served to you. And, uh, you know, a few bites in, I can't help but just think about this thing inside my wife. And yeah. I was like, I'm sorry, I can't eat this anymore. I want to. And I've been back since. Once my kids were grown, I was like, fucking bring it on. I'm yeah. not just thinking about do you babies. you have a 16-year-old? Right. Yeah. Possibly. I want the whole pig. Yeah. I can't do the baby right Right. Now. Anyone with a driver's license, bring me that pig. Yeah. That I, yeah, I, I really have never had a problem, but the, I watched this movie. So then- I and the timing was crazy, and my cousin Carol is like she's the greatest, and, uh, and so she uh, sent me this thing, and she's like, "You have to see this movie. Like, it, it's going to change your world about. I mean, you just don't think about how smart they are, and they're like <laughs> dolphins, and this, and they're brilliant, and whatever, and they're so emotional in their eyes, and they make. Con- so I'm watching the movie with the plate. Oh my god, that I had just made, and I had this picture where I'm. It's kind of a rack focus kind of thing. Like it's on the TV. My feet are up. I've got the bowl. I've got. <laughs> cauliflower rice and pieces of oh my God. it's so delicious yeah. what i've just made and i sent it out and i just people got were pissed oh people were pissed and not not it's not like a million people were pissed but there were a lot of people in the backlash and i just took it down i'm yeah. like it's not worth it yeah it's not worth it i have made octopus since four or five times yeah i just can't stop making it i love it octopus is such a weird one because they are 
ridiculously smart. You know, mm-hmm. I, 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 at the end of the day, I think the way we view food and we get and and like, look, I'm not advocating that we eat dogs. I'm no, not. No. But when we hear about other cultures that do, and we get so offended, and it, and it's just like, well, you know, cows are sacred in India. You can't like, you can't move a cow out of the road. If the cow stands in the road, the cow is there. Have you have you been to Mumbai? No. Okay. You have to go. But like cows, you don't eat They're cows They're on the there. sidewalk. Yeah. They're chained to a pole outside of a holy site. Right. Like that's what they do. And they're, and there's somebody, they're watching them and they're covered in flowers. You're 100% right. I was blown away. By the way, Mumbai, it's terrible what's going on right now over there. Oh, with the with COVID. The pandem- yeah. Oh, it's, 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 it's so sad. I just was blown away by how... You ever go somewhere? You've been all over the world. You go somewhere. I'm, I'm off on tangents here. But I love it. I just was – I'm always so blown away by that Disneyland feeling. You go somewhere, and they're moving a million miles a minute. Yeah. And you think, this doesn't end when I leave. This isn't Disneyland. They don't turn the switches off. They don't go, thank you for coming, Mr. Grunberg, and yeah. I leave. It's nonstop all the time. It's going on right now. I mean, I was standing there, and there's these guys walking down the street, and I was like, wow. You could just tell power. That's power walking down the street. And I was with a businessman. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's a, he's a billionaire and blah, blah, blah. Right next to him is a cow. Right to my right is a kid taking a shit on the <laughs> sidewalk. And I have footage of it. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe it. I shot it. I'm like, this is – it's crazy. That kind of stuff that just doesn't stop. That And the different – this is why I love traveling. I yeah, just love too. seeing – all these people that are that are living different places, different lives, we're all coexisting, yet we're all so separate and doing it so differently. The first time I saw a kid take a shit in the street in China, I was pretty thrown off. Were you hungry? I wasn't hungry. I, my <laughs> wife and I saw a lady holding a kid, and the kid had no had like crotchless pants, and we were like, "That's weird." That baby, not quite baby toddler, has just a open air ass. Wow. And then the mom set the kid down. It squatted, took a shit. She picked it up. There was no wiping or cleaning. Yeah. And, and this goes against some information I had, but it might have been from um, from a, a fictional book where I thought the Chinese were the first people to wipe their ass. Like the use of paper hmm. was very early. Um this is from like uh where in china was this beijing wow. like like outside a mall in beijing not not like rural at all and then we were so startled by this but then like started seeing paintings of kids with crotchless pants and Interesting. It, it was like it's a thing yeah they shit in the street um maybe we're doing it wrong uh, maybe we are i don't know there's got to be something to hygiene though that that yeah. you want to keep fecal matter away from people but but i don't know maybe we're just too too removed from bacteria and we need to get a little bit closer with it well that's for sure yeah. i mean you have four kids right yeah by your fourth you know like my my mom is just still not still because my boys are big they're adults but I remember when I was raising the kids, she's like, you're going to let them go outside barefoot? Right. What are you doing? Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, I don't want, you can't raise sterile kids. Right. They won't be healthy. Yeah. They have to build have up to an immunity to these dirt. germs. They have to eat dirt. Of course. Yeah. But when you go to these other countries, I'm just saying, maybe if you're stepping in it and, uh, and, and walking amongst it and it's, you're breathing it in. I walked, you know, with the homeless problem is just so terrible right now. 
I, I'm on my bike yesterday and I'm riding and I'm like, I'm gonna extend my ride a little bit and I'm riding and all of a sudden I'm down, going down an alley and it's just urine and fecal and you just smell it. Now, if you can smell it, what coronavirus has taught me is that it's it's out there. It's floating in the air. So that's got to be germs. I'm not just smelling a scent that doesn't have germs. And I was like, oh, boy, this is. I had a weird theory about this because, you know, you lose sense of smell or that's a fairly typical side effect of, of COVID. And I started thinking the Chinese were doing anal swabs, which I didn't read too much about that. But I read one article that said now they're doing anal swabs. And and. And my idea was literally just that um, the loss of smell is this virus's attempt to get us to be less repulsed by the smell of shit because maybe that's a real easy way for it to transfer itself from person to person. And as you said, in the air, when if you can smell shit, particles of shit are going into your body. Absolutely. 100%. You know what? The other thing that I thought was really fascinating is that University of Arizona, I'm sure you heard about this. They were analyzing the uh, sewage that was coming out of the dorms to see, and they could pinpoint it to the room where COVID was. Where COVID was. Wow. So they were they were the water, or you know, whether the sewage was coming out. They were saying someone in that dorm has COVID. We, they were stopping it, like they, I, I, however they were doing it, which I thought was just fascinating. Yeah. You know, it's like so you can maybe going literally upstream to right. see who was infected. Right. You know, um, everybody around you safe, everybody fine. From, yeah. Everybody's fine. Um, I had it. Oh, you did? I had it. And then, you know, looking at the, the, it gets very complicated. I, I think from the data I've looked at, there doesn't seem to be a huge benefit in vaccinating after you get infected. However, they are telling everybody just get vaccinated. And when I talked to an epidemiologist about this, he said one of the fundamental principles in epidemiology is people lie. And I was like, well, explain that to me. He said, well, it's not even necessarily intentionally, but your your aunt who had a bad cold in March and is sure she had COVID but didn't get tested, she needs the vaccine because the bad cold might not have or could most likely not have been COVID. Like I remember when it first happened, I had 10 friends who all were like, I know I had it, mm-hmm. and then none of them had it. Do you know what I mean? Yes, and I remember. I remember looking back, going, "Wait a minute!" They say this thing came over in February, right? I I, w- I had a really bad cold in January, so I think I had. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah so there this, were a lot of people like this. That. I think I had it. Spreads, and then you wind up getting all those people because if they come out and they say there's no huge benefit to getting vaccinated after you've been affected. If they say that, suddenly a shitload of people are like, well, I don't need to get vaccinated. Whereas if their job is to go like, what's the absolute safest thing to do Mm -hmm. is all those people, whether they think they had it or not, get vaccinated. Yeah, plus we know so little. I mean, how long does the antibodies last with someone that has had it as compared to how long does it last with someone that gets a vaccine. And and they're talking about boosters already. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing. Like antibodies are a sign that you're in proximate uh, that that your body has figured out how to fight it, right? right? But if the virus is no longer present, the the body doesn't need antibodies. The body's ability to create antibodies is there. Once it learns how to make those antibodies, it should always have. So the only thing that we would be kind of 
in trouble with is variations, right. which the 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 vaccination is no better at fighting those no. variations than your body if it's been infected. The, right. the ability to create antibodies is there, whether you still have them or not, just as kind of how recent you were fighting the infection. Yeah, they're fighting. They fight cancers the same way they put uh, in your lymph nodes. They'll create an army that are very familiar with the type of cancer that somebody has and they inject it back into your, so it's like this army that's just waiting. So if that, you know, cancer should come back in an aggressive way, they'll they'll attack it. It's, yeah. it's what you're saying, right? So once we have it in our system, then we're, we can fight it. But you're right. So many, we didn't have this thing two years ago. No. And we already have a vaccine. I mean, that's, it's very promising for someone like myself whose oldest son has epilepsy, right? right. Um, that's my thing. That's my cause. I cannot. I'm gonna. When Let's is this, talk about it. When, yeah. When is this gonna air? By the way, talk about it is my that's your foundation. Th- yes, yeah, yes. Thank you. You're, you're, dude. You you don't miss the thing. Yeah. You're right there. Um, I I don't know because I'm not in charge of that, so I don't think we should give dates. Okay. Uh, no. I reason I ask is because I just shot something that you and I you are going to really appreciate this. Okay. Um. So <clears throat> for people that don't know, so my oldest son Jake, our oldest son Jake, um. Um, he started having seizures when he was seven. He's 24, 25 now. 25. I can't up. believe that. The last time I saw Jake, he was a, a little kid. I know. I mean, not little, little, but like a teenager. Yes, yes. And um, he, uh, so you got smaller. Yeah. He got bigger. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So Jake started having, so at seven, now people that don't know, and we didn't know back then, uh, seizures take a million different forms. And some some so he just started daydreaming so like for five seconds he would just kind of stare at something and then he, and they're called staring spells or uh absent seizures and what that really is and for people that aren't watching right now i have two fingers pointing at each other about six inches apart there's electricity going between those two fingers that's how i'm seeing you and talking this is the electrical activity in my brain two parts of the brain are teaching and talking to each other so as soon as the electricity goes so one point goes up the other goes down now they're not connecting that's why somebody shakes. That's why somebody stares until that electricity goes back, okay? Dr. Drew on my website, um, on, you know, I'm going to get you to do a PSA for me as yeah. well. It's just like all these people are helping me. We ask these questions, and that's the best way to describe it. It's just an overactivity and over, um, uh, too much electricity in the brain. So when he, was, when he was seven, he started doing these heavy staring spells. Teachers would say, uh, he's ignoring me. He's, you know, and... We found it in the car where I found it to be a trigger for him back then. If you watch somebody's eyes when they're looking out the window of a car, our eyes just dart. We catch different things, and it's really interesting. You can't make yourself do it, but you're, you're, you know, that repetitive kind of sweeping of the eyes, catching, 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 I think was put, bringing on seizures. He would ignore us. We'd talk to him, and then suddenly he would – I'd be like, Jake, come on, buddy. What are you doing? And so as, as a parent, I would reprimand him. Yeah. I'd be like, buddy – I asked, mommy asked you a question. What's going on? So um, at a seven-year checkup, the doctor said, any issues? And we said, yeah, you know, he, he's been doing these kind of staring and whatever. And he said, okay, Jake, hyperventilate. So Jake made himself, he asked Jake to breathe, breathe, breathe. And then all of a sudden, it, the seizure, it wasn't just a seizure. It, he would nod his, he was nodding his head. So, uh, yeah, and hikers <clears throat> that hike up, you know, high altitudes, the lack of oxygen at a high altitude will bring on a seizure. Okay. So there's something called Diamox that they can take, and it convinces your brain you have more oxygen than you do. And for for hikers, they'll take it on. I, I don't. I, I, actually, I'm not exactly sure. Hikers out there don't take this because of that. <laughs> right. But but anyway, that's one of the medications. So over the course of the next few years, we, you know, most people that 
have seizures, they respond to the first medication, 75%. 25% are drug-resistant, DRE, drug-resistant epilepsy. That's what Jake falls under. So you then you hope to get to an epileptologist and a pediatric epileptologist that is also a pharmacologist, somebody that knows and doesn't overprescribe because these medications are heavy, dude. They're really heavy duty, and they they have so many side effects: weight gain, hair growth, uh, you know, all. And then then it's the brain, so you're dealing with neurological things and 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 um, uh, you know attitude changes and aggression, and, and it's it. So you really have to get a handle on it. it and I tell people that that if their child or their husband, the wife, the brother, sister, whatever, starts having a seizure, you need to run, run until you find what works. Right. Um, Jake had a cocktail. Over the last years, he's had two brain surgeries. One we did uh, because they found a, a spot where it was you know, uh, localized and it was coming from so quickly and spreading to the rest of the brain. And how did, did they do this by like looking at the brain and inducing a seizure? Yeah. So uh, first of all, when you take your child or your whoever, you go to the doctor for an overnight EEG at the hospital, they bring your medication down because if you go to the hospital and you don't have seizures, what are you, what are you doing? Point, it's like going to the mechanic yeah. and saying there's a noise and he doesn't hear it so or she doesn't hear it. Um, so uh, uh, they take the medication down, plus you have to be sleep deprived. So when he was a child, the f- most frustrating thing was like being at Denny's at 2 in the morning trying to get chocolate in him, trying to get something that would stimulate him. You know, a seven-year-old, nine-year-old doesn't have coffee. Mm-hmm. So you're like, uh, and all these people, and being a recognizable face, people would look at me and go, "We're a that? terrible Grunberg. Yeah, he's right. terrible. What's he doing? It's got his kid forcing sugar on the kid in the middle of the night. <laughs> right, at Denny's. Right. Of all. Anyway, so. Or they're thinking like, "That's a, that, what a dad. <laughs> exactly, what a cool guy. Yeah. So um, anyway, over the course of all this, uh, it's been the car wash or the roller coaster of of epilepsy. It's terrible. Epilepsy doesn't present un- unless you have a seizure. So that normalcy is what's frustrating. I wouldn't trade it for having my son in a wheelchair, God forbid. But at least when you see someone and you can say, you know, if you see someone in a wheelchair, by the way, and you're watching, you're listening to this, ask them what their issue is. Don't look at them, then look away when they look at you. Nobody wants that. Right. Say, why are you in a chair? What's up? What do you got? I mean, they, they, come on. Yeah. It doesn't define them, but at the same time, no one wants to be stare. We get that all the time. Someone goes, is that Ethan? Is that That's my favorite. Oh, my God. I love that. They look away. It's right. like, dude, yeah. I see you looking at me. Right. We can say hello. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. Anyway, so he had, he had a surgery at Rush Medical Center in Chicago. 90% of the seizures cleared up. But because we didn't – surgery is the last resort. So after five years – oh, and to answer your question, so normally they, they put leads on the outside of your head. When you have surgery, they open up your skull and they put the leads on your brain. And then induce the seizure? Uh, yes, and they analyze, in Jake's case, how much of the brain can we remove. So where, where the, the – uh, first of all, they need the seizure and they need to see where it starts, where it's localized, and where it's spreading. Then they need to see what that area is actually doing and controlling and right. can and how far can you go. The thing that fascinated me so much was and it was it, it, it's it's the worst memory I have as a as a, an adult. I just wanted as a parent, I just want to trade places with him. You know, your skull is off, the leads are on his head, they put the skull pieces back on, they wrap his head so he's got this big, you know, all these bandages on his head and he's just sitting there. And then, they, and then they're waiting, and he's, as he's having a seizure, they're analyzing it. 
And then they do a thing where they go, okay, we're going to test this out. And they look at me and they go, they, they indicate they're going to make him cry. Oh. And they push a button and he starts crying. And then they say, they indicate he's going to laugh. And they don't want him to know. And then they push a button and he starts laughing. Like they can control. So they're, they're seeing what it is. And Jake, are the bottom of your feet hot or cold? He's like, ah, ah, hot. It's just from stimulating these different parts of the brain. And then they see how much they can take. They, they did something called an F1 resection, which is about the size of you know, your uh, fingernail. And they took that out. Um, and I kept saying, don't take his, per- you know, his, his sense of humor. Just don't, t- don't take yeah. that, whatever. But they're really, really good at what they do. They did another thing, which is fascinating. They put an apple in his right hand, and they said, Jake, what is that? And he said, that's an apple. They're like, okay, and they put it in, put it in your left hand. Jake, what is that? And he was like, uh, I, I don't – and he couldn't say it right? because they were, they were stimulating and blocking, and you know they're just incredible. And yet they know so little. They know so much. They know so little. The brain, the brain and, the, and the micro gut biome, these two things, it's like you can look at a heart attack. You can know all the reasons for a heart attack. Plaque, this, stress, right? All this stuff. It, it's a weird valve defect. And, and it's kind of easy. Even with like stuff like bacterial infections, it's like this antibiotic goes in and kills bacteria. So it kills that. We can see it from start to finish and we understand it. There's shit with the human body that just... I think we're like in the dark ages about still, you know? Yes. Yes. Especially when you're told, and, and you know, I'm at these teaching hospitals, all hospitals are teaching hospitals, right? So um, the specialists come in and then this group of students come in and you hear, you can't help it. You're sitting there and they say, okay, so as you can see, the brain is beautiful. Like he's got a perfect brain, no lesions, no C, uh, no, no tumors, nothing, no scar tissue, no, not. And you're like, great. My son's got a perfect brain, and yet he suffers from seizures. It's right. very frustrating, yeah. you know. Um, and you know, my podcast, by the way, talk about it. Yeah, people listen, listen to it. Um, I have I have tons of people like you know Ethan will be on it or whatever. We talk about other things because everybody's got something. Yeah. That's the thing that I teach my son and, and that he's taught me is that everybody's got something. So it's nothing to be ashamed of. Talk about it. That's why I'm trying to remove the stigma associated with epilepsy. Yeah, I've been now contacted by CDC and others where it's like, you've done this great work for epilepsy. Can we help anti-vaxxers? Can we help this community, that community? Because we all, we all should just be open. With seizures especially, if the more you talk about this with people around you, God forbid my son has a seizure and his baseball coach or his people at work, you know, he, he works on production now. If, if everybody in the crew knows what to do, he's safer. Yeah. Because the seizure is not going to hurt him 99.9% of the time. What hurts him is the fall and the, the you know, the concussion, you know, hitting your head on the, on the ground or, you know, the CTE that can potentially happen from getting hit all the time. So anyway, this week, though, I want to talk. And by the way, Jake's now 25. He's doing really well. He's on, um, you know, uh, medication, but his medications have been brought down a little bit. There's now CBD. Um, Does but that help? Oh, in a huge way. Great. Huge way. But under a doctor's care, um, I never went down the route for him. He never went down the road of, you know, um, of uh, edibles and, you know, the brownies and this. Because you can't, you don't really know how much. Yeah. They, they're pretty good now, but I don't trust it. Um He's on a. Uh, I think for the, I think too at that point, like the brownie to me sounds like 
fun for somebody who's going to a movie. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if if we're talking about treating something with the brain that that you know, because sometimes they're like skimp a little, and sometimes it's a heavy pour into the thing. I, I, That's exactly right. You know, yeah, and you got to be careful, especially no matter what condition, because they're now finding that you know he's on something called Epidiolex, and and it's a it's uh, this company called Greenwich. They 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 have the first FDA approved medication that is um, cannabinoid. You know, cannabinoid. Oh, wow. So they're exploding because it's helping so many different, you know, ailments, so many different conditions and diseases. Um, but what's important is to know that you're already on medication. You're not going to take – it's it's going to be an addendum to it, right? Right. Which is going to magnify the other medications and make them work even more. The most important thing for Jake is Jake has nocturnal seizures. So if he – first of all, if he doesn't get a REM, REM sleep and deep sleep, he's not – he's going to have seizures the next day because you need sleep. Um, triggers for anybody with epilepsy is lack of sleep and uh, you know stress and and um, you know if you're gonna, if you're tired you're going to have seizures it's just yeah. the way it is so you need to get a good night's sleep so he takes it at night you know his medication at night and in the morning um, so this week so I get a call <clears throat> this is my big secret that I uh, I'm so excited I just finished shooting um, imagine you're in my situation right and then you get a call from uh, um, Jennifer Love Hewitt is a one of my close friends, and she's just the, the greatest. She's on a show called 911. The show is run by this guy, Tim, who is brilliant, really great writer. And uh, he, he calls and says, hey, you're a friend of Love's. Um, I wrote this role. It's a true story. And um, I, this isn't going to air this week. So no, I'm, no. Oh, okay, good. Okay. So, so I can bl- blow the, the lead here and talk about it. But true story about a guy whose son fell into a seizure that is known as status. Status is where it's rhythmic and it doesn't stop. Oof. The seizure doesn't stop. That's happened to Jake a couple of times. We have we have medications like an EpiPen sort of thing, um, and it, it'll uh, it'll snap him out of it. Right? We put this medication by under his tongue, or we give him more CBD, or whatever. But uh, it's very very rare. So in this case, it's a real situation, and the kid fell under grown kid fell under a seizure, went into a coma, was in the hospital, and his his dad knew his son was going to pop out of it. And they were doing something called a terminal wean, where they were just taking the oxygen off. This they were like, we did everything we can do. And he goes, I don't think you did. You did. And they said, Sir, I'm sorry, but we're doing this. And he takes a gun out and holds the ICU hostage. Wait a sec. I, are they allowed to do that? Take you off? Yeah, like especially with a kid. There, there. When there's two parents, I think it was and a two one parent, parent thing. was going like he's done. Not done, but we've done everything we can. Right. I mean, he's showing all the signs, all the breathing, all of the brain act. There's no brain activity. He's his he's brain dead. Right. And this is literally just because the two circuits are maligned. Yes. Right. And oh maligned for so long. So, by the way, there's something called SUDEP, which is sudden unexpected death in epilepsy, and it happens. Um, Cameron Boyce, beautiful actor, amazing actor, he died in his sleep. Uh, not too long ago, um, and many people do. It's very scary. That's why even more so you need to control seizures in your sleep. What happens is the brain, the electrical activity in the brain says to the heart, we're done. Right. doesn't send that electricity to keep the heart pumping. That's it. There's nothing you can do. And they don't even do- – a lot of neurologists don't even talk about it with their patients or family members because even there in the hospital – nothing you can do. Yeah. You can stimulate. You can, you can do that, you know, clear and shock the heart. But the brain isn't going to keep it going. Right. Um, this is how, and again, that's a layman's uh, way of explaining sure. it. But 
it scares the shit out of us as parents because we never want to think about it, but it's in the back of our minds. So anyway, this kid in real life, not my son, but um, he was in a coma and his dad took the ICU hostage. And just as the SWAT took him away, his son grabbed his hand and Whoa. he came out of it. That really happened. Really happened. Wow. Dad went to prison for jail for whatever. I mean, it was time served and whatever. It was very minimum compared to, but he, and he had a toy gun. Wow. Because he just, he, and so that is what I just shot. Wow. On 911 Lone Star. <clears throat> uh, next Monday, dude. Okay. I mean, I couldn't believe it. I wrapped on Friday on fr- or, or middle week. They're way behind. You know how these shows, some, yeah. some of the shows get behind. Earl, it was, was basically live, I remember. <laughs> I talked much. to Greg Garcia. Like He's the like, next oh, week dude, it was yeah. really good. But, um, yeah, it wasn't pickups. It was like, so but I've never worked with Rob Lowe before. He was great. Um, but Gina Torres and I had worked on Alias together. And so she and I were in the hospital room. So in addition to that, I get it. And I'm realizing, wow, this is going to be emotional. I have to play this dad. Yeah. And then I said, hey, Tim. What about my son playing the kid in the bed? And he was like, ah, I didn't want to ask, but and I said he just played me in Max Reload and Nether Blast. He played a, you know, he he works at Bad Robot. He's in the production with you know JJ is his godfather, and so it's great. Yeah. He loves production and stuff, but he's he's gone in front of the camera a couple of times. They he said, yeah, if he wouldn't mind. So I'm playing these scenes, pouring my heart out, and it's my son. That's insane. It was insane. It was very therapeutic, though, and it was. Uh, well, I, 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 it was it. I don't even know. I don't even know. I just know, I can easily pull up emotion. I know you can too, dude. It's yeah. there's something. But with when, your kid, I can't imagine. It, yeah, it was. It was. But silver lining, making it somehow. He's been through such terrible things in his life, most of which he hasn't remembered. You know the details of which because you, it's the brain. Yeah. So a seizure. Somebody has a seizure. They're out of it. It's a blank spot in their memory. It's an editor just removes those. You know, hopefully under two minutes, right. and then they then they wake up and Ethan Suplee's over them going, Jake, yeah. wake up. Yeah. You know, that's like, why I'm here. What do you mean? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I just blinked. What happened? But uh, it, 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 for Jake to have something not cool. But he's on a set. You know how great it is working. It's just like it, – and with his dad, like we just had a blast. Everybody couldn't – no, this crew, they're the best. I'm so proud. It's it's one of the most emotional things. Um, yeah. So I'm really proud of it. Uh, you'll tell me what you think. Yeah. Uh, and I felt, I felt a little too cryy at times because I was just – I couldn't help it. I was just so... – But I think, though, that at that point it's real. A little too cry. This is what you're feeling about your son. I, I don't know. No, it's true. I don't true. know if you could be a little bit too cry in the... that instance. With my kids, I go into another – I become a different person when I worry about my kids. I, I wanted to ask, hearing all of this, I have a kid with type 1 diabetes, and this to – us when we were presented with it this was the most tragic thing to have ever happened and and then you know you spend some time in a children's hospital and you look around and you go we don't have it so bad you want to hear the greatest version of that the greatest the the most uh jake <clears throat> we're at we're at uh, rush medical center and jake's recovering from uh, brain surgery and you know that's pretty bad. That, I mean, I I couldn't I couldn't even put mine like yours might be the thing where I'm going like 
I didn't have to do that. Yes. You know? Yes. Like, so I, my I version feel of relief. that. Yeah. Yeah. My version of that was it was this young guy. It looked like he was in college. And I saw him around the ward, uh, the PQ, and, you know, pediatric ICU. And then I saw I saw him again. I saw him again. And I just, you know, you just, and I, when we're in the corner room and uh, just sitting there, just, you know, a week goes by. And, and when he's going through the whole thing of the, the five days leading up to the surgery and then the surgery and then the recovery, whatever. So one, and it was like three thirty in the morning. I went downstairs to get a cup of coffee. I couldn't sleep or something. Some water in the, com- the cafeteria. No one's down there, and there is that kid sitting there. And I and I went up to him and I just said, "Hey, man, I've noticed you. My name's Greg." And he's like, "Hey, how are you?" And I said, "He goes, yeah, we're in the room right next to you." And I said, "No, no, no, no. You must be. No, the room right next to us is where they store all the equipment." And he goes, "No, that's my son is in the middle of all of that equipment." Oh, and I said, "What do you mean?" And he goes, "He was preemie, and he has a, a lung machine, a heart machine, a this machine, a that. All the room. I thought that's where they store the equipment. There even. was just so much equipment that it, it it was a storage room for equipment. Right? I would have no. I'm not an idiot. I yeah. would have noticed people going in and out, going boop, boop, boop. Okay, monitor. It was like there was a little baby in the middle of there. Right. I didn't know that, and I thought, okay, I." I, I'm not going to ever say – I can't put my head down and cry. Because I mean, J.J., right, is my best friend since we're five. Like, he's the guy that I turn to. He's the closest person in my life, really. And he's the rock. So I would – I'd be, like, going, what the fuck? And, he, and he'd go, hey, 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 you're the dad. Yeah, cry. Great. But get back in there and yeah. be there for your son. You know, you need somebody in that in your world like that. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This slapped me in the face just as hard, where it was just like, oh, man, I we don't have it so bad. Yeah. And then in any group, like type 1 diabetes, they have groups of kids that can get together or, or on, on. Summer camps, uh, Camp Chad, uh, I'm going to say it wrong, Chad Rod Chickamonk. I, I, I've obviously said it wrong. That's not Conrad Chickawalk, something. There's a camp. And camp Chick-fil-A? Something like that. But you go and it's all kids with type 1 diabetes all the counselors have type 1 diabetes mm-hmm. and they're learning dude my kid was 4 when she was diagnosed with this i spent every day at her school outside and then a break would come i'm checking her blood sugar i'm giving her a shot you want to eat wow. something for months I didn't trust, like, I'm just going to give, hand the teacher a bunch of syringes and insulin yeah. and a, yeah. a blood glucose monitor. The first, I, I mean, it it becomes an obsession with understanding how this thing works and then how to explain it to somebody else so they can do it and how important it, like, like yeah, if her blood sugar goes low, she can die. Yeah. So, like, yeah. this, you give her a little bit too much insulin in her tiny body, dead, boom. Right. Let, let's not fuck around with that. And yet, spending a minute at the children's hospital and you can't help but see case after case where you're like, thank God. This is the only thing we have. This to is do. what I'm dealing with. I know. And then let's talk about in-laws and yeah. parents and how they understand and really don't. <laughs> because I I mean, my in- I love my in-laws. I love my parents. They're the greatest. But they, I can tell in their voice. I can tell sometimes when they're like... Yeah, no, I'm, you know, they don't want to be alone with Jake. God forbid they have a seizure. He has a seizure. They don't know what to do. They, and I understand that. Sure. But you get past it. They're past it now. But at the beginning, 
And also, how many times have you heard, Ethan, you're the greatest dad in the world. How do you do it? Yeah. And I'm with like, her diabetes. No, but how do you right, do it? Yeah. You're like, what am I supposed to right. do? There's no alternative. There's no here. alternative. And anybody would do it. Yeah. You're a dad. That's it. So tell me, what's it? how old is she now? 16. Okay. So what now? Is she still, she checks her own? Yes. I, I mean. Um, and is she good about it? Yes. Yes. There have been times where she wasn't good about it and we would try to like relinquish the responsibility to her and then we would be freaking out. Like how many times did you test today? Did your blood sugar go high? Did it go low? And by the way, she goes to a boarding school now where, where it's even, so there's even further separation. So there's always a little uh, piece of my attention on this aspect of her, right? Which sucks, but it is what it is. I think this is uh, helpful in any situation in life, though, where I go, like, God, I have so much to deal with. And and then it's very easy to to open my eyes and look around and go, many others are dealing with much more. Yep. I can do this. This yeah. is not, I got to stop fucking feeling sorry for myself and get my shit together and do what I got to do because nobody else is going to do it. And now she, you know, she has multiple monitors attached to her subcutaneously that are constantly telling her blood sugar, feeding it to her phone. Like the technology has gotten so good. Yeah. When I left the hospital for the first time and she was four, 12 years ago, I was handed a vial of insulin. And a bag of syringes and and like, here's how you test her blood sugar and told like, have at it. And I had no other data. And so I'm reading. And by the way, my wife and I, you know, I was raised like everything can be everything is just food. Like you're eating the wrong food. You're doing this. Like, let's not really trust the medical establishment. They're going to give you something that's going to cause 12 other problems. So our first instance of being told this. I was like, well, we'll just feed her a different food, yeah. you know? Yeah. And like, I spent a full day in the hospital with the doctor going, that's not this, that does not work for right. what she has. Right. And I'm like, no, I think you're wrong. And they were like, no, sir, trust me, you are going to give her insulin. And I'm like, I don't think we want to start down that path. And they're like, motherfucker. Really? Yeah. Because I, I didn't understand the difference between type one and type two. And I thought like, God, oh, we, I totally get that. We must have been feeding her too much sugar. Of is course, what I was thinking like, yes. and, and I and I'm racking my brain, and I'm like, we don't really eat a lot of sugar. What the fuck is happening here? Yeah, but okay, like she's now going to be on keto. That was my thought, and they were like, yeah, she still needs insulin. Yeah, and you can see that. I mean, you see people that are super healthy. And you and, and work out and everything, and they have type one. Yeah, I mean, come on. They, one of the Jonas kids has type yeah, one. Yeah, basketball Joe. players like it, yeah. it. It's a totally different thing. And 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 then I go into the, the, the like I'm having nutritionists tell me like, well, we can repair her pancreas, and and I believe it. You believe these things, and you go, yes, I want that. Let's do that. And I'll spend thousands of dollars here on this nutritionist. And then at the end of the day, it's like no. Her body has destroyed her beta cells. This would be like some nutritionist telling you, you you lost your hand. And he's like, I can grow you new fingers. Yeah. And you're like, that's not the way it works. Yeah. You know, and yeah. like I, I come to it like as a as a really, really heavy guy who lost weight. 
all this excess skin and you're having people tell you like, I know the secret to get your skin to catabolize itself. And so you'll use it as energy. No, that's not what your skin can't do that. Your muscle and your fat is the only thing available to your body to be consumed, not your skin. Right. You know, so let's, can we, let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. Okay. By the way, no, I want to talk about something else. I want to talk about what this has done for your daughter because what this has done for my son, like you talk about, and me, and I'm me, me, me. I'm yeah, talking yeah. about me, me, me. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about them for a second. Yeah, She is amazing. And I can tell already, first of all, she's got great parents, but to go through it, and when she sees someone who has an issue, the sympathy and the understanding that she has of these other people, whether she consciously thinks about it or not, is just incredible. Yeah, That's a person you want to marry, okay? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you know, I, I, Jake, I talk to Jake about this all the time. Like she'll meet, he'll meet somebody and he'll start dating or whatever. And I just, I'm like, Jake, you got to find somebody else who's got a condition because people that have something that they're dealing with. And, and again, it goes back to everybody's got something. I don't care if it's asthma or weight problem or whatever. You just have, you have an understanding and you, you just are compassionate. You're yeah. a more understanding, compassionate, wonderful person. No one should have to go through these things. I want that to be true. However, this kid is now super into simulation theory. Oh. She is uh, teeters between nihilism and its absurdism. And I'm like, you be, be whatever you want. Just keep your blood sugar in order. Like, and she's like, it doesn't matter, Dad. And I'm like, okay. Oh. Um, it doesn't matter. It's part if it's if it's a simulation, that's part of the simulation. Right. So you want to win this video game we're playing? Keep doing that. And I'm yeah. like, you can have whatever fucking crazy philosophical thoughts you want. You want to read Sartre and Camus and be uh, fucking Kierkegaard and, and like think it's all fucking pointless. Fine. Right. Keep your blood sugar. Right. right. But here's the reality. Yeah. So so um, has she had ever had a seizure because of her blood sugar dropping or maybe um, she, she did. She has had. She has gone so low once that we had to use something called glucagon, which is and you you we get them. Isn't that a superhero from? Yes, yeah. it is a superhero. It's it's uh, comes in like it's like an EpiPen, I suppose, in a red box, and you open it. It's got a metal and glass syringe, which is like super old school. Wow! And it's full in of case of emergency yeah. break, Shit. and it's got a glass vial of powder, and you and the syringe is preloaded with. Uh, sterile water and you pump the pow- the water into this little vial of powder and pull it out and that what it does glucagon immediately makes your liver release all the stored carbo- uh, glucose wow and um and so if her blood sugar gets so low that she can't drink juice or eat anything you got to give her a shot of glucagon and boom, it kind of brings her right out of it. And she feels like shit. This has happened in 12 years once that yeah, we've good, had to use that. Good, so, good. but it was scary and seizure. I don't know about seizure, but like she was borderline unconscious when we had to give her that. And it yeah. was fucking one of the scariest things I've ever experienced ever. And, and uh, so Jake's had thousands of seizures and uh, we're talking from tonic clonic, by the way, we don't use the term, uh, grand mall anymore yeah. for many years okay. because grand mall literally translates to the big evil people <laughs> right. thought these people were possessed back in the day right, right? so get out satan exactly get out satan there's some there's some evil spirit inside that person no 
Um, that, along with many other myths, you never stick anything in anyone's mouth when they're having a seizure. It is impossible for that person to choke on their own tongue. Right. That is impossible. I will say it again. Impossible. Right. I always heard spoons, a yes. wallet, your hand, but not your hand because they'll go on it. eBay. They, they call them seizure sticks. They're still selling these fucking things that could kill people. Right. You don't do that. Don't stick anything, including your finger. If somebody is eating and they start having a seizure while they have food in their mouth, before they start tonic-clonic activity, tonic is tightening, clonic is shaking. Or, or vert, reverse, whatever it is. But that it's tonic-clonic. Your tongue is one of the most powerful muscles in your body. That, your tongue, your tongue, um, um, uh, what do you call it? Like, uh, uh, Contract. Contracts. So it's not going to go back in your throat. Right. You're not going to choke. But if they have food, get that food out of their mouth if you can. You can swipe it, but don't stick your, because they, they might, in, that, in the course of having a seizure, bite your finger off. Yeah. Don't stick anything in there. If you stick something in there and they bite that off, they could choke on that. Right. So you want to, you want to, um, the basic thing is to just make sure they, first of all, no one's going to just drop to the ground. You're going to see their head's going to bob. They're going to, they're going to repeat themselves or they're going to stare. Now, you know, they're having a seizure, grab them and ease them to the ground, put them on their side because even their saliva, they could drown. And if, you know, if it goes and, and blocks their, or their airway, so put them on their side so that anything goes out, put one leg over the other so they can't flop back on their back, and put something soft under their head because their head is going to... I, unfortunately, I can't even count the number of times that I had to go to school. You talk about school. And I would get a page, and it would say school district on it, and that's Ugh. the worst. And then I would call, and they would say, yeah, Jake had a seizure. He's out on the yard. And I'm like, where is he? He's still out. We can't touch him because for legal reasons. Right. God forbid they break his neck. This is what they're thinking. So I'm like, you're leaving him there? I mean, I got to, you know, the football injury where you got the, you know, under your, you know. Uh, yeah. Do you have that? Did you ever have that? I didn't have that, but I know exactly. Yeah, the well, line under the chin. The line under the chin. Well, when you crack your head, he he's had that. And so one time, many, a couple of times, I arrive at school and he's on the ground kind of coming out of it. And it's pool of blood everywhere. And they're like, yeah, we didn't want to touch him. And I'm like, what is wrong? Most all teachers are just a incredible heroes, and they, they do the best they can. But there have been some situations where I'm like, what are you doing? Come yeah. on. I mean, and The just difference between a, like, a really good, confident nurse at a school and somebody who's timid and, and like just scared of the bureaucracy of it is night and day, and I've had both. And, yeah. and, you know, I guess it is ultimately up to us with our kids, the decisions we make, but, like, we have we have – gone away from schools just because it's like this nurse doesn't i don't feel confident leaving my kid and like at the end of the day i understand my kid's a bit more responsibility than the average kid for but sure so that's what we need yeah i mean we've we transferred jake from one school district to another we had to we live out in the valley and one was la, LA unified and the other was uh, las virginis right? right and we had to because la unified didn't have the funding to have a nurse on staff all the time Two days a month. Yeah. So I'd wake up and go, hey, Jake, you're going to have a seizure. Today's the day. Right. The nurse is there. We couldn't do that. So they couldn't give us what we need. So we permitted out, permitted in. Again, like you're saying, it goes to what I said about run. Don't – you have to be your own best advocate. You just have to be smart about it. And if, if a doctor says, well, you know what? At least your daughter's only having two, three seizures. My, to me, at least your son's down to two, three seizures a month. No, that's not acceptable. We're talking about brain development. Yeah. They say the first seven years is brain development. After that, they're fully developed. Uh, no, I don't believe. I'm still developing, you know, synapses and connections, and we we still do. And um, 
you know, if, if you have damage in your brain, your brain finds a way to rewire and, and rework. And that's why it's so fascinating. So you need to get as close to seizure freedom, they call it, as possible. Just do talk to another doctor. By the way, neurologists, they all want to help. They really do. You're not going to offend a neurologist. Things are moving so quickly in medicine. I'm sure diabetes is the same way. If you say, I'm going to get a second opinion, get it. Yeah. The doctor's not going to be like, oh, you don't trust me. You'll never hear that. Yeah. They are fascinated to hear because they're moving so quickly. They're treating so many people. They can't all go to that thing in Vegas or the thing in Santa Monica where all the doctors get together and they discuss their stuff or read all the journals when they come out. So get do what you need to do. But don't you think like and, – and, and I – I tend to take everything back to diet, health, mm-hmm. for myself, how I'm going to use it, what I'm going to do. And it, and it sounds like this um, is what you did with your kid, what I've done with my kid. But I think there's <clears throat> a lot of – and what I do with diet, there's a lot of uh, like I enter into a situation where I just go, I feel, I feel hopeless – and I'm just going to do – I'm just going to latch on to the first thing I hear and do that. And then it's like if that starts grinding, I'll dig in and go like, no, this is the thing. Yeah. And it, and I have found <clears throat> more often than not the idea of getting a second opinion, the idea of trying something else, the idea of going, this isn't as ideal as it could be. I'm going to improve this. How do I improve this? Well, I gather more data. I, I educate myself more. I talk to more people. I talk about it. I'm – open the more open and interested we yes. are the better we can make this because i don't think anything is one size fits all you're talking about something with the brain and mm. it's like how little we understand about that we can get we can get to an ideal situation but if we just go like well i'm fucked it sucks and it's just going to be awful and hard same with diabetes like there's a number of ways you can go to treat diabetes. There's different gadgets they can hook onto you. You can use a, a a syringe. You know, we haven't used a syringe in eons because um, she now has a little pump that mm-hmm. is like a basically an artificial pancreas. Right. Um, this is revolutionary. I, I had a cousin when I was a kid with type one diabetes, and and at the time his life fucking sucked because you know this is 35 years ago the the they didn't know what the they were doing really they they just got a shot of insulin every day you know yeah. it wasn't like let's calculate how many grams of carbohydrates you're eating at every meal and give you a dose exactly for that and then give you a basal dose too like that that wasn't happening and then with diet it's like it's it's very easy to just go like um i'm going to cut out bread or i'm going to cut out lectins or i'm going to go carnivore or i'm going to go vegan it's like okay but if you're just going to stop there and that's it, mm-hmm. like, what are you trying to achieve? How, how, you know, I think I think the openness and the the getting more data, I think it's I think it's really a good way to go. Absolutely. On even if it's just a casual conversation, I was talking to a guy on a crew. We're shooting and he goes, hey, by the way, uh, thanks for everything you do for epilepsy. I was like, oh, he's like, I have seizures and stuff. And um, I, he, a little thing. I, I love to run. And st- so Jake is a second degree black belt in Taekwondo, right? right? He's just, uh, and, um, did you work with Simon Ree? Huh. You know Simon, don't you? Uh-uh. He really? Oh, he's a, uh, he's incredible. Jake studies with him. And, okay. But anyway, um, this guy said, when you, when Jake runs, just tell him, and he doesn't know my son at all, but we were having a conversation. And he goes, what I've found is, you know, and it goes back to the hyperventilating. If you're running, 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 
walk so like you and I can run, do the mile, and then we can stop. No right. problem. Jake can't. He's got to run and then just walk it off so that his heart rate goes down slower. Right. And it helped. That little conversation I had yeah. when Jake was in Little League, I was like, dude, if, you're, if you crush the ball and you get a triple, just take a second, call timeout, and just walk a little bit so you can get that little information. I mean, it, I'm just telling you, it's, it's, you're 100% right. That's it, why I love doing this. And I love yeah. – I, like, I want to talk to vegans. I want to talk to carnivore people. I want to talk to everybody. I'm interested because like, if that guy says one thing that works for one person – then we've benefited. We've all benefited. Yeah. And if I can steal something from anybody, I'm fucking stealing it. If it works for me, I'm using it. Yes. And Jake, and, and so let's go back to diet. Jake has been as, you know, car, he just cuts all bad carbs. He has done it for a while. I know for me, I have never done hard drugs or anything. Never. But I can tell you something. When I have sugar, or some car, you know, carbs or whatever, like bad carbs, you know. I, I mean, I, every day I'm having salads and I'm having vegetables and all that, but that's where I get my carbs. If I, I it's like I'll just lay on the couch and I'm like comatose. Like it must be what heroin feels like. It's not quite as good, but it's not far off. Right. It's that it, the dopamine that goes yeah. off in your brain where you're like, oh man. So Jake, I'm telling you, if I'm, if I, if that stuff's poison for me, or I'm addicted to that stuff, or or whatever. It's your kids are the same way. Yeah. So he has cut that out of his diet. Like it's unbelievable. Yeah. He will not. And also certain spices or whatever. And again, no one size fits all for sure. Other people might be able to just consume it and burn it. And, and it doesn't affect them neurologically. But Jake, he does not have any white bread, any, you know, and, and then we'll have, you know, the keto bombs and the things like that. And he even stay, shies away from some of that stuff. But it helps if he yeah. wants a little treat. he will have that. And again, know? like. This is fucking whatever works for him is yes. valid. I think we we fall apart. You know, it's become very trendy to bash religion and say like more people have been killed in the name of religion than anything else. And I go like, is that true or is it the imposition of one's will that has killed more people? Because we can apply that to Hitler, who was an atheist, mm -hmm. and Mao, who was anti-religion, and Stalin, and all these people. And then we can go back to the Crusades and say, like, was it religion or was it just the imposition of will going, my structure is the best for everyone, so I'm going to do war to bring my structure to you. So I just go, like, I have no interest in, like, Here's the absolute truth that I'm going to apply outwardly to everyone else. Keto is it. That's it. Everybody should be keto. Or veganism is it. Everybody yeah. must be veganism. Because this, to me, is is as much of an imposition of will yeah. as whatever any guy who's doing war is doing. I mean, granted, there's no army militia or military behind right. keto or veganism. Right. But, but like the idea is the same. What my value is should be your value. I go, no. How does your value work for me? That's it. That's as far as I can use it. If your value has functioned for me, good. Or elements of your value. Right. Yeah. Or, yeah, minutia or nuance to your value. Absolutely. But when we get into this thing of like, and it could be anything, what I think is right, and, and, and I just go like, I, I want to hear what you think is right. I'm interested because maybe I could use it. But every time I hear 
it's it's an absolute right for you too. I feel like I'm out. I know some like devout Christians yeah. who have never once made me feel as though I'm wrong for not being a devout Christian. But I also know some devout atheists who have literally made me feel like a piece of shit because I don't hold necessarily the same value structure. It, this is a religious point of view that these yeah. atheists have. Yeah, I know. Look, I went to Israel and and I'm Jewish, right? And I went to Israel and I was I had these guys in Israel telling me that I'm not Jewish. Right. Not not Jewish enough. Yeah. Literally saying yeah. you're not Jewish because right. you don't do what I do. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And every religion has that. Sure. If you're not as extreme, whatever. I really believe though that it goes back to them. I think with diet, with anything, if 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 I if I say this is the way to do it, I'm validating what I've done. Yeah. And if you question it or you're just gonna take a little bit of it, it's like whoa, 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 whoa. You must take all. Because it's worked for me. And and if you question it, maybe I'll question it's deep. It's like saying, I you know, no, no, no. It, it, it's a self-confidence thing. Yeah. You know, and it's a lack of control thing. It's like, wait, you're gonna find a way to take a little bit of what I do? No, this is where like some people asking me, they're like, how are you losing this weight? I'm like, well, dude, I have one. Right now, I'm doing. I'm cooking one meal for myself a day, and then it's going to be two, and then three. But that one meal, I measure, I weigh my protein, I weigh my vegetables, I weigh. So I don't overindulge. I don't. I'm not a glutton for you know. I'm a glutton for punishment. Sure. Certain times, but I don't just go crazy. Like yeah, I love octopus, but seven ounces. That's or six and a half, six and a half ounces. That's what I'll have. Yeah. And it's enough. Right. And when you shrink your stomach and you get like all the other elements fall into place, but there is no absolute. I love what you're saying. Yeah. It's, it's, it, and, and I wish we were all like that. But. I do too. Yeah. I, 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 like, I don't, nothing that I believe is true in, in a sense of values, not in a sense of like, <laughs> we can prove that this thing exists in front of me, that this material object exists. We can prove that it exists. What you want to do with it. Yeah. How you use it, how you value it, what it means to you. Yeah. Completely subjective. Yeah. So, like, I believe that light travels as a particle in a wave at about 300,000 kilometers per second. Right? Who fucking cares? (laughs) Like, what value does that that mean at the end of the day? Any of these things. Any of these scientific things. Okay, good. This is science doesn't tell us what it what we want it to be. It tells us what is period end of story. And then we construct these values. And it's like I'm interested in hearing things because I'm interested in people and I'm interested in it. And it and I love talking about diet because I've done tons of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And because I think I can take little bits and pieces like octopus. I'm going to fucking make octopus. And by the way, I love eating octopus. I've never once cooked it because it's scary to cook because it'll seize up on you. It's not easy. Right. Right. right you know right. what I mean? It's like Dude, you got to boil it, it and then grill it. Oh, my God. I want to do it. we got to do it together. Yeah. It's so great. Yeah. I mean, I you know, it's a little. Yeah. But I I could not agree with you more. And people like now, they're asking me, like, how did you do it? How did you do it? I'm like, they're like, well, I'm going to try this thing. I'm like, then do it. Yeah. Do it. Whatever it is. Because they all work. Right. You want to lose weight? All these programs, all these things work when you do them. It's, it. But it's also the shift to what I'm fascinated by with you is how you have maintained. Yeah, and you that's keep the biggest... looking better and you keep feeling better. And I'm really, that is the hardest thing because you and I have, we've done this a number of times. You yeah. haven't done this, but you've done 
I've you, done versions. Versions. Yeah. I, you know, I, I actually, I've been thinking about this a lot too, and this is a good thing to talk about because um, there's a lot. It's not just one thing because I talk about maintenance a lot, and mm -hmm. I think maintenance is really important because we do, at the end of a diet, come to a point where it's like, well, I'm not dieting anymore. What am I doing? You cannot diet forever because that's starving and you die. Right. Um, so what am I doing? Let's get into maintenance. Let's figure it out. You're eating in a certain way. You're learning what your relationship is with food. This is really important. I got to say, this, what you and I are doing right now, talking about it, this is another really important thing for me because I am now accountable to everyone who's listening. Yeah. It's a big fucking deal. I want to, I don't know how, I want to arrange for, I don't know if it's Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, where you can just talk to other people once you get to where you want to get to. Yeah. To, to, to have that momentum, to have that buy-in of like, now I'm from a point of, I've done this. How do I keep doing it? I'm going to talk to somebody else. You know, in AA, they have sponsors. Being a sponsor is a big deal. It's yeah. very helpful. So there's not only it's helpful for the sponsor as well. That's what I mean. Yes. Like I'm now going to help you because I come from a point of uh, whatever elevated status because I've achieved some goal, whatever. I don't really think in those terms, but yeah. like yeah. just being able to give somebody else advice or talk to somebody about their problems or just listen to somebody else yeah. is a big deal. So I think there's some version of that because I don't want to discount the fact that I talk to people about this a couple times a week now, yeah. and that helps me. Yeah. Don't think I'm fucking altruistic here. I agree. I, I, like, Dude, you're fucking selfish is yes, what you are. This conversation is m me getting time to go like, I'm buying in again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, it's true. And and uh, and again, you don't have to be in the same place at the same time. One going back to, to you know, any condition, they'll say, oh, this is a support group. And you sit in that support group. So they were like, you know, Jake, maybe the family, we sh you should sit around with other people that have epilepsy or other people that have that in, your, in their family. And we sat, we went to one meeting. It was like, there was a kid in a wheelchair. There was the, the, another person said, my kid's been seizure free for 17 years. I'm like, my kid had a seizure this morning. Right. Like, and, and it's very intimidating. But with this, with eating healthy and, and just staying on track, we all are tempted. Dude, Mother's Day just happened. Yeah. Oh, my God. There's cake and this and cheesecake. Brunch. And Brunch is a big deal Brunch on Mother's is, Day. Yes. Yeah. And so uh, I did. I personally, just because I'm in this great place right now, really, I see and I want to lose another 40 pounds. I want to. I didn't have anything. But then the next day, my son comes over, and I was like, all right, so I had something, and I have somebody that I'm accounted to. Yeah. I called David. David was like, so what? Yeah. And and by the way, in Cannonball Run, there's a scene. You remember that movie? Yeah. Okay. There's a scene where the Italian guy gets in the car, and a guy gets in the car with him, and he grabs the rearview mirror, and he shakes it off and breaks it off, throws it out, and the guy looks at him, and he goes, what is behind me is not in the front of me, <laughs> yes. which is so the way that you should really live your life when it comes to stuff like this. You can't control what you just did. All you're doing is punishing yourself. Go straight ahead. You can only do things about – you can only influence and affect what's in front of you. So, yeah. so wh why dwell in the past? You know, And, and um, we all look at that. I mean I weigh myself every morning. I never used to do that. I love the days when – like. 
So for I, I didn't weigh myself this morning because I was like, all right, two days ago I had something I shouldn't. So I'm like, I'm going to give myself a couple days because I want to see the yeah. scale go down. You of know course. those tricks. Oh, my God. But if it works, it works. Whatever works for you. So talking with other people, I completely agree. There's a um, – the Barstool guys do this uh, – This uh, his name's Large. He's great. And he does this thing called um, – uh, I forgot what it's called. But anyway, Friday, every day uh, – uh, every Friday at 11 o'clock, and we get on – Twitter spaces, you know, where it's like the it's like clubhouse. Yeah. And 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 we and they're all big guys. And people come on with questions and they're like, what do you weigh? And if they weigh too little, he's like, kick them off. And it's right. great. Right? Oh, it's, that's awesome. It's really awesome. And I'm getting there. Like my picture changed on Twitter and they're like, What's going on, Granny? What I don't yeah. understand. Like you're we- you're gonna get excise from that group. <laughs> and I'm like, excise me. Yeah. But dude, if you're serious, I would love to be a part of that. Yeah. Just, it can be like, by the way, it could be a channel for talk about it because that's really what it yes. is. I want to say like the grip, I think, who who gave you that suggestion yeah. that you, if you go back and tell that guy, hey, that really helped me. That fucking is so valuable for him. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like the idea of helping people. And, and I do believe uh, to some degree we do all these things selfishly a little bit, you know, like. I'm not saying I'm purely selfish. I want to see others benefit from this conversation, but there is part of me that's going like, no, this is helping me for sure. Dude, you can't do it. Don't you feel like, Oh shit. If you gain the weight back, it's you a disaster. You can't like, do this I'm anymore. So, I mean, f- a thousand times more embarrassing than I was at 500 pounds. Right. Although the, the, the name that of the show would apply. Right. It yeah. Really well, then it would that. just be, it would just be, where did I eat last night? You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. I would have to get creative with that. That's right. The tacos on Western and Melrose are fantastic. They're incredible. There's a little gas station parking lot. The trucks pull up. The, uh, do you remember the, remember the movie Fatso? Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite movies. Yeah. That, that conversation where they're like, they start off with just a little tea junior can you get a little tea it's like you put a little honey in the tea honey oh honey you know what i like with honey a little bit of apple slice you ever have an apple slice he's like peanut butter i put peanut butter on apples oh i like peanut butter with it and it just builds 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 until it's just this conversation and then they tear the cabinets up and they start eating i mean i am but i'm not afraid of that like yeah. to sit around it's normal yeah it normalizes it and it's the accountability of it you were talking about aa the, the idea that they're sponsors, but remember, your sponsor has a sponsor. Yeah, it's 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 the ultimate pyramid. Yeah, it, it's like there's nothing wrong with it. Right, you have to find the right person. The guy that I talked to, David, he's like, I'm on the phone with him every Tuesday morning for about thirty seconds. Right, how's it going? It's going good. How how was yesterday? It was great. Okay, good. I'll talk to you next week. Yeah, as opposed to, you know. If it was somebody that I just, I'm like, I don't want to talk to this person. It's, it, I mean, I think practically it really is when it's running, it's running. But then there are moments where you're like, I don't really know what to do about this. And you're going to figure it out better for yourself just by talking to somebody else. Like the answer will most likely come to you yeah. just by saying it out loud to another person. Here's what I'm running into. Yes. Here's the trouble I'm having. And yeah. Then, oh, yeah. What's happening there? Oh, yeah. And. Could you do something different? What else could you do? Okay, boom. And you have your solution. I like that's pretty much how simple it has to be. Yeah. Or that's how true. simple it could be. If I grab this audio, I don't need to do my episode of talk about it. We I'll can just do, use we'll just it. Share it. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. let's share it. Yeah. That's perfect. Um 
No, I, I, I really find that to be the case. I find it, I, and, I, and I'm finding it more and more as we talk about other areas of my life, of our lives. You know, look, you don't like, is your, your wife's not an actor. No. Yeah, no, mine either. God, no. God forbid. Yeah. That would be the worst. Be a disaster. And yet, there are little moments where I'm like, I just wish she understood right. what, it, you know, because the rejection and this and that. Why didn't I get this role? What happened? It's not like she goes, why didn't you get that role? Yeah. But you know what I'm talking about? Like, there's that understanding. And it just can, it, 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 again, like you said, just hearing somebody else say, you don't even have to say, me too. But in your head, you're, he- you're, you're hearing me too yeah Fuck. yeah i i can relate i relate i get yeah. it man it's a tr- it's a trippy it's a trippy thing yeah, yeah. granny thank you so much oh man i love you it's and been a uh, joyous conversation oh you're the greatest and thank you for doing this i mean i know this is really successful and everybody a lot of people you know you have such a great audience but it really it it uh, and, and I hate patting you on the back or whatever and being altruistic about it but you really are helping so many people with this conversation and and great just know I'm helping myself. First. I know. I uh, really I know. am. I, I, you know, I hate to say it, but I really am. Yeah, and I find it, it's it, you know, it, it, you can really, if you think about the beginnings of this podcast, didn't you ever think, well, this is going to be just repetitive? I'm going to be talking about the same shit over and over again. You're not, man. You I, have never done it. I can. I. I really think I could talk to ten vegans and get ten different, totally different. Like I just think. I sometimes think like it's so narrow. We're just talking about diet, and then I go like, "But everybody eats differently." Yeah, I don't know one person who eats the same. You know, like my house. I have four kids and a wife. Like you get everybody together and you go, "What do you want to eat?" It's going to be a fist fight. You know what I mean? That's like true. nobody eats the same. We, by the way, let's do another episode where we talk about that. Yeah, because I didn't. That's I a wanted, whole episode. I wanted to dig into. I forgot to ask you that. Going. With you know having done what you've done and now knowing all and just being so much more knowledgeable about nutrition and, and diet and exercise and everything, has it trickled down? Oh yeah, I don't want to talk about it now. Oh yeah, if you that's will a, have me back, that's a great tr- because man, I can't tell my son one thing. He it's that dad, it, it, the label of dad immediately disregard what I, I mean. They're very respectful and and they're smart kids, but. The, immediately they're like you don't know what the hell you're talking about my, my yeah. sons are baseball players one's at college one's high school i mean they're doing it if i say one little thing about their approach at the bat with <laughs> you know, what the shut fuck up. you're talking shut yeah. the fuck up you don't know dad exactly amazing yeah. my favorite is from my youngest grace um i always get told that the the high school boys uh who lift weights at her school are all much more muscular than me and she is totally totally serious and i'm like really Okay. Oh okay, God. Grace. If that's what you believe. And she's like, No, I don't mean it as an insult, Dad, but yeah, they're a lot bigger than you. Like they're way bigger and way stronger. What is she talking about? I don't know. But this is like to your point of like Does she go to school at the LA zoo? Like what is she talking no, about? Dude? And they're not, in fairness. I've seen pictures of all these boys and they're muscular, but like I I'm a big dude. Yes. Uh, you know, and and it's just like not even Oh, well, we're talking about over a hundred pounds of difference in each case, right? Like not possibly right. in the same universe. Right. And she just totally believes. She looks at these boys and she's like, "One day my dad will be like that." And I'm like, "Okay." Do you know why? Because your dad. That's right. That's it. That's it, dude. Thanks, Granny. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. And now for the Q and A. This is a question for you from someone named Ruby. Hi, Ruby. Hey, Ruby. We can be pretty sure is a chick. I think so. Nice. Ruby says, Dear Ethan, 
thank you for the podcast. You hooked me with your intro, food for entertainment, food for sport, food for fuel. Listening to you and your guests have helped me understand that everyone has to make conscious decisions about diet and exercise. My question is, how do you or did you deal with food for comfort? Stressed, emotional, or overwhelmed, I find myself wanting to comfort myself with food. Any sage advice you can provide? Yeah, uh, thank you, Ruby. I have that too. It is really tough. I was actually just talking to my wife about this, and um, I have gotten to a place where I can comfort myself. And and listen, I'll be real honest with you. Uh, I'm, I'm about, about to talk about like uh, enlightened ice cream, which is low calorie ice cream, and they have like a keto version too for keto peeps, um, or Halo Top, which I think is very similar, but I prefer enlightened. Um, my kids think it it tastes like dog shit. If I'm being totally honest, I think it's fantastic. So. If I go to the store and I'm like on maintenance, which means I get a little bit more food and I go like, yeah, I'm going to grab some enlightened and I buy like eight pints of it. I will eat enlightened pretty much for eight days straight. And then I'll go like, I'm not going to buy that for a little bit. So, um, and this is all within my eating. I'm not like binging on diet ice cream, but I can, I can be comforted by that in the same way that I was comforted by, you know, a trip through a drive through previously. Um, it's just a lot less calories. I don't, I don't want to be comforted by it. I want to get to a place where I'm not using food as an emotional crutch. Uh, but I still do from time to time. And, um, and I've just been able to find like that I can, find stuff that's still within the boundaries of what I'm eating that has, that can have that effect. Um, so while at the same time I will go for many months without having stuff like that, um, if I'm, if I'm cutting or on a, a fat loss phase, then I'm, I'm, really there's no there's no room for comforting food um and so i'm trying to trying to look for other things to comfort me and i i'll find it by going to the gym or going for a walk or playing with my kids or talking with my wife or just something else that has nothing to do with food and then sometimes uh when i can i'll find myself you know tucked into an episode of TV with a pint of enlightened and really going like, man, this is nice. And, uh, and I think that's okay. Occasionally, um, because I'm really trying to get into moderation, but I have a lot of history with using food in an inappropriate manner. And when I say inappropriate, I mean inappropriate to my own goals. And so I try to stay away from doing that, but I fully understand the desire to do that. And I I don't know your story. Um, but if you're, if you're in a part of your program where you're, you're, you're lacking comfort in food, I would really turn to physical activity or talk with a friend or, 
you know, go go look at art or something like that that isn't um, that doesn't have anything to do with food, and try to try to find something that's comforting outside of food. I mean, like for me, that's that's a very important thing to do because of my decades of um, you know having food as one of my only comforts. Uh, thank you for the question, Ruby. I really appreciate it. If you have a question you would like me to answer on the show, please submit it to AmericanGlutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee, and as always, joined by my chaperone, Paige Dorian. Follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely. <laughs> <laughs>